Thank you for tuning your hearts in for another episode of the Hearts Rise Up podcast. I'm Carol Chapman, your host, along with my co-hosts, Ann Sari and Conchetta Antonelli. We share our own personal experiences, tips, and strategies, along with powerful stories and compelling insights from guest interviews. We're here to inspire and empower your conscious evolution, help you tap into your inner wisdom and rise to your heart-centered higher self. Together, we can rise to a higher level of consciousness, an elevated state of being, and experience more love, joy, and freedom. Hello to all our heart-centered listeners. Thank you for joining us again for another episode of the Hearts Rise Up podcast and how we can live our best heart-centered life. I'm Carol Chapman, your host. For today's episode, I have the honor of introducing Reverend Janice Chrysler. For over 15 years, Janice has been using her intuitive gifts experience and training as a certified hypnotherapist, metaphysical minister, Reiki master, author, and meditation facilitator to hold space for those seeking balance of mind, body, and spirit. Through her service, Mindful Journey, Janice sees people privately for intuitive readings, spiritual coaching sessions, and Journey of the Soul sessions, better known as past life regression. She facilitates a variety of workshops, all designed to help others on their life journey. Janice feels her purpose is to show others what she has learned so they too can have a mindful journey that leads to their own self-discovery. As an ordained minister, she is blessed to perform weddings, namings, and ceremonies of life for so many. She's also the author of two books, Sally's Closet, and Make It Happen. Both are available on Amazon. Reverend Janice, welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Carol, for having me. It's an honor to be here. It's always nice to be able to get together. It is. Well, I think the best place to start is I would love to know more about your personal journey and how you found your path. Well, I think I'm just an ordinary person. I had, didn't have anything super extraordinary happen to me like a lightning bolt from the sky, like some people, you know, have some pretty life-changing things. But I think we all go th- through thoughts and ideas spiritually within us. The problem is we don't always talk about them, so we don't know other people are experiencing these things. And quite honestly, at a very young age, I'd say my earliest recollection is around 10, I seemed to be set on a knowing that I was to do something spiritual with my life. And at that time, because of what I knew as a 10-year-old, that had to be something to do with the church. Because our family, you know, went to church every Sunday and, and went to Sunday school and all those sorts of things. So that's what I knew. And so really, that started my journey throughout my whole life, trying to find out what the right path in that direction would be. 
and yet not really seemed to quite fulfill it. Not to say I had bad experiences or anything was wrong with it, but for me personally, it wasn't the path I was to be on. And I found that rather contradictory because I was afraid I was going to go down the wrong path, you know. But I can remember at 10 years old, I'd before I'd go to bed, I'd ask all these big questions in my head about, you know, how did the world even get to here? And, and how can there be infinity, something with no beginning and end? And, and I always thought those were questions every kid asks himself until I had a group and one lady said, that, that's really weird. No 10-year-old no asks themselves that question, but I, I'm sure there are some that do. Anyway, I said, that's what I thought about all the time. I was, I was trying to figure out the why to everything. And I remember lying in bed one night and I just, again, had this feeling that I was to do something. And I said, I wish I could understand infinity. And it was just as soon as I asked that, I felt myself rise up and it was like I was in the center of the cosmos, you know, Star Trek at the beginning when they go into warp speed and everything goes so fast by them. That's what I felt like I was doing. And I thought, wow. And it was like I was really cool with the whole thing until I realized there was like, you know, a fear come over me like, oh, my goodness, where am I? And then it was just like oh, right back. And I actually almost felt like I was going to be sick to my stomach. Well, now I have done astral projecting purposely. And I thought, wow, I astral projected. I asked the question and I was being shown the answer, but I didn't understand it. But that moment stuck, obviously, in my head all these years. And it was when I recognized what it was. Like, oh, that's what that meant, you know. But then on through my life, there were some physical things happened to me where I had, where I was working. I had all the shelving fall on me and it hurt my head and my neck. And a year later, I had seizures and they didn't know why. They said it was stress related. Well, I give thanks for that now because I understand how stress can build up in the body and manifest somehow. Then I developed fibromyalgia, which was probably connected to those other things. And I had to leave the job I was doing. And it scared me at first, not that I didn't, I didn't mind leaving my job, but it was the unknown. And then I just decided, you know, whatever it is, I feel this is meant to be. And when I went to my new job, I met someone there that was a Reiki master. And so she got talking to me about that. Next thing I know, I'm a Reiki master. I start to meditate. And I start to look into hypnosis. And these are all things that before I would never have had anything to do with. So had I not been literally hit on the head, that's what I had to have done to move out of my position that I was. And I realized how limited I had been in my thinking up to that point. One thing just kind of led to another. And I got to where I could look back as the observer on my life. And I also decided that when I had that feeling I needed to change, I was going to do it and be open because I didn't want any more hits on the head. I'm getting older. I don't think I could handle it. <laughs> so I wanted to just expand what I was doing. So that started it. And, and the big thing for me actually was leaving the church. Mm. Yeah, because it took two and a half years for me to decide. Wow. So I imagine that must have taken you out of your comfort zone a little bit when you sensed that the church was not for you. How did you handle that? And obviously, you know, people were used to seeing you there. 
How did you manage through that and move forward? Well, that's where a lot of prayer and meditation came in for me is what I had to do because I, I knew it had to be a decision that I made. And I really didn't know who I could talk to about it because anyone that I knew would want me to stay. When I kept asking, what is it I need to be doing? And I was thinking, I, I suppose, more in like a professional way. It kept coming to me that I was going to have to leave in order to do what I was meant to do. So that was very difficult to me because this was something I'd always done. And it was very much a part of my life. But so when I, I gradually weaned myself out, because I was always very involved when I was somewhere. I was, I'm kind of all in or not at all sort of thing. So when I was sitting there one day and I was listening to prayers that I'd always meant so much to me, and I really listened to the words in them, I thought they don't apply to me anymore or they don't resonate the same anymore. And this is for me, like for other people, there was years and years that they did. So for other people, I don't want to insult anybody because like, if that's where you are, that that's where you're to be. But I knew that I could not reach, for example, clients with my hypnosis and still be attached to the dogma that goes with that church, for example. And being in a small community, everybody associates you with either where you work or where you go to church. And so I went to the people that I meant the most, I guess you could say to me there at the time, the priest, the organist, who is my best friend, and the lay person who I worked with. And I just said to them that I, I have to step back because I'm on a spiritual journey and I can't be here and be doing that. They all understood, sort of, not 100%, but they respected me enough and because uh, I didn't want to think that there was anything personal. So that's what I did. I stepped back out of that. And within two weeks, I started to have clients calling me to come see me. So I knew it was the right thing for me to do. It didn't mean I lost any faith, but I had to start looking in a different direction. And the one person there said, I know you haven't been happy here for a while. So if this is what you need to do, it's what you need to do. So I've encouraged other people. I realized then I started to change my outlook. This is where I got more into metaphysics because there is no dogma. It's always asking questions and seeking answers to find your truth. What is your truth and what is your path? And that's what I set out to do. Mm. It was difficult, but doable. Right. How did you experience changes? Uh, physically and emotionally after you made that decision and you started, you know, moving on this new, more open, expansive spiritual path? Well, actually, it was a little scary because uh, my intuition was opening up more. And I wondered what that was. And I tried to fight it because, okay, I was okay with doing the Reiki. I was okay with being the hypnotherapist. But what was this intuitive stuff that was coming through, which I should have known when you do Reiki, you open yourself up to be a vessel for information to flow through. And that's when it started coming through to me. And I kept putting off. I thought, well, I'm not doing readings. There's no way I'm doing readings because, you know, there's a stereotype that's kind of put with people that do psychic readings. And I'm not that. But then I'd get phone calls for people asking me to come to their house and if I could come and help them. Mm. And I realized that, you know what, that was part of my path because I was doing that as spiritual coaching because the people I met with, they had questions. 
It wasn't just about, am I going to get that new job or am I going to buy a new car? They were going deeper than that. And so I could hold space for those people. I remember one day asking, what is it I'm supposed to be doing? And it came very clearly to me, hold space. And at first I took it as take up space. (laughs) But then I understood that there was something to be said about just being quiet Mm -hmm. and letting people listen and talk, you know, so that that's what led me then into doing more of the therapy and coaching. I was going to ask you, obviously, you started to experience these changes in yourself and intuition opening up and and developing your intuition. Many, many people today don't necessarily trust their intuition, particularly when you're not really focused on the inner. Those of us that are focused a little bit more on the inner, I think, have maybe more of a sensitivity to our inner knowing, or maybe mm-hmm. maybe we're more trusting of it. I don't know. I know as I've started to work more on the inner that I have really started to begin to make some changes in terms of just trusting my own intuition. So what do you say to someone when they're looking to develop their intuition and once they develop it, trust it? How would they go about doing that? first of all, ask people to really ask themselves, what is it I believe? I'm not talking about necessarily a bunch of dogma and that sort of thing. But if they come back with that, I said, why do you believe that? Does that feel true to you? And that's why you follow it? Or is that because you were told that's how you have to think? Is there a part of you that agrees with that? Then that's fine. But if there's a part of you that says, it doesn't really feel true to me. I'm just saying these words. I'm just following action. Or maybe they were raised to think their intuition was something evil and not to listen to it. So then we have to look at that. Like, what is true to you? How does this feel to you? You feel it's guiding you in the right direction? Mm-hmm. And then try to follow that. So we have to go back kind of to asking ourselves those questions is what is it I believe in? Because there, I find there's a lot of people, and I was probably guilty of this myself, I could quote a lot of things, but does that mean I really believe it? And why do I believe it? Yeah, I think that there's a lot to be said for that because beliefs really stem from conditioning early in life. And if we're brought up a certain way, you know, the people that we are surrounded with tend to have influence on us early in life, and we form our belief systems obviously over time. And it's not that easy to break down those belief systems, particularly if we're not even conscious of them. Can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, I think you hit it right on the head there, because mostly it comes from our tribe. So whether that's our family, our community, our culture, So we have to start asking ourselves how much of what I believe in to be true comes from that. And if you're comfortable with that, then that's okay. But people don't like to ask themselves the big questions. And I always say it goes back to the three soul questions. Who am I? What is it I desire? What is my purpose? And everything we do in life, every decision we make, every word we speak is based on how we answer those three soul questions. And if you can't answer those, you have to start there because then you're living someone else's life or you're following someone else's, this is what you need to do or how you should act. And especially 
not to just pinpoint it, but especially as women, we have had to come up through that, through culture and beliefs and everything else to take a stand for who we are, to get an identity, literally. And uh, we had to really ask ourselves those questions, you know, and, and it's okay to be okay with questioning the belief systems of others and what they tell you is the right thing to do. That's why I feel anyway. Well, and particularly if we want to follow a path that is true for us, we need to have some semblance of an answer to each of those questions, or at least have asked them. We may not have all the answers, but at least have asked them. And particularly if we want to manifest things in our life that serve our greater good, we need to dig a little bit deeper, right? For sure. And that's remembering that too, that we create our own reality. What we think about will come to be. We have to be conscious of that as well. You know, you see a lot of people that, uh, younger people that maybe go on to college and take a profession. It's not necessarily one that they wanted, but it's one their parents or grandparents said, this is what you should be. And it's usually because that's what they had wanted to be. <laughs> you know, it's almost like I can live through my kids, which isn't fair to the kids because they ha they're their own people. They need to develop and, and follow their own path and be on their own journey. So it's stepping back sometimes too. And But again, it, it's that inner search of answering those questions of who am I and being okay with the answer changing because it will change as you evolve, or at least it should, or you're always living in the past. Otherwise, we need to always be changing. And, and for some of us that maybe that's not in our nature to really like change, just remember that if you don't, like I said, you're living in the past because you're always doing the known. So it's asking a question, how can it get better than this? What's outside of this? And then being willing to embrace that when it comes. And I look at everything now as not really good or bad, but rather a learning experience. There's definitely things I won't do because I feel they're, they're not for the higher good of myself or other people. But every experience, even if it didn't turn out the greatest, what did I learn from this? One, I won't do it again, or I can show someone else that this is what happened to me. It may not happen to you, but, you know, what can you learn from this, too? Share that with other people. I think the big thing is being willing to share, too. Right. And I love to hear stories of people who, at some point in their lives, you know, they felt that this is, uh, or maybe they should go and do this, and they, were, they felt that pressure. And maybe they just didn't really know in their heart at that point in time what they needed to do. But then something starts nudging them and they start recognizing the signs that something doesn't feel right. And then they follow their instinct, their intuition, their the nudging, whatever. And then you see something totally new and wonderful open up in their lives and doing what they're destined to do. And then it's, it's an evolution of sort. I mean, I love to hear those kinds of stories. I know that you've got the books that you have written, Sally's Closet and Make It Happen. I'd love for you, because I know some of the contents and the story in Sally's Closet and obviously even in Make It Happen revolve around some of the things that we have, uh, obviously a lot of the things that we've talked about here. Can you share a bit more about why you wrote the books and maybe some of the compelling points well, in the first book that I wrote, Make It Happen, it actually was not going to be my first book, Sally's Closet was going to be. 
But then when I started, I thought it's not quite time yet for it. So in Make It Happen, I talk about what brings us joy and how we can bring that into our life. Because sometimes we're not living from a place of joy and we don't even realize that we just get caught up in everyday life. And I found when I did workshops and I'd ask people, name six things that bring you joy, either that you're doing today or you you did as a child. They really struggled with that. And yet if I said, you know, put down a page full of things that, you know, annoy you, they probably could do that right away. It made me realize that we all need to really make sure that we're bringing joy in our life. And I know myself, I found that I used excuses for not following my path. They were good ones, you know, I was, my children were young, so I thought, well, I can't go back to school and do this or that. I would, there's some courses I wanted to take because my kids are in school and I need to just stay at this job because it's close. My poor hubby, I kind of blamed him. I thought, well, if I decide I'm going to quit work now and go do this, he's going to be upset. I never even asked him. I just, I'm thinking this, I'm, I'm being the noble wife and mother here, sacrificing myself for the higher good of everybody. But I never really talked to anybody about it. So I also had to admit that it couldn't have meant that much to me at that moment in time, or I would have found a way or could have found a way to do it. And it was actually through reading a Dr. Zeus book that there was the places you'll go. And one of the places in there, it says that you'll find yourself in your life in the most useless place of all, the waiting room, where everybody's waiting, waiting for the phone to ring, waiting for the bus to come. And it went on naming all these things. And I thought, that's where I am. I'm in the waiting room. I'm just sitting here waiting with everybody else, but I'm not doing anything to make changes in my life. It's that definition of insanity, doing the same thing over and over again, expecting things to change. And that actually came to me one day at my previous job is when the fibromyalgia was really bad and I started dropping everything. And I had this voice in my head said, nothing will change if you don't change. And I thought, well, this is not how I want to spend the rest of my life. That's when I started to change. And that's when I started to realize that it up to me and my mindset. So that's what's in that book about telling people that find the joy, what's holding you back, what fears are stopping you from moving forward, how you can use meditation to help calm the mind and manifest what you desire. And that carried over into Sally's closet. I started that talking about this little girl that used to like to look out at the moon, which was me. She used to think about how the world began and everything else. I thought back when I was a child and all the things that we learned in those first few years of our life especially and how Sally didn't want to uh, forget anything so she decided to decorate boxes up of all the nice things that happened and put them in her closet so she could open the closet and see them. Well then as she got older she realized that there weren't always good things that happened but she better remember those too so she put those in boxes and put in there too. And then there were things that happened that weren't so nice, and she didn't know how to deal with them, and she didn't know who to talk to. So she just put those in boxes, but just threw them in the closet. And after a while, she didn't want to open the closet anymore because all she'd see was these ugly boxes that she'd thrown in there. So then I go on to describe how our mind is like that. Our mind is a closet that we hide everything in, and we think we've got it hidden and don't need to deal with it. One day that door bursts open and there it is and you've got to do something, either physically or emotionally. It's going to manifest and you've got to decide if you're going to put everything back in there again and keep going through that same motion 
or are you going to clean your mind closet and start fresh? That's what Sally's Closet's about, is kind of looking inside again and asking those questions. Well, who am I really at this moment in time? I think that's such a clever analogy, how it really crosses over into our own mind and what we, what we take in and what we keep within us, uh, similar to that closet. And that closet can just get so packed and all of a sudden one day it just bursts open. I'm just wondering where someone would start. Is it those three questions that they would start with to uncover the things that are not right in their life so that they can do a sanity check of where they're at? It certainly is a good spot to start. And it depending on a person's background, too. Like so often we have fears that we don't even realize they're there. And, and our fears is like peeling back the layers of an onion. You might think, okay, I'm afraid of one thing. And then if you ask yourself, well, why does that make me afraid? And, you know, they keep going back through this. For example, like speaking in front of people is still one of the largest fears among people is they don't want to get up in front of people. Is it the speaking in front of people? Well, they say, well, I don't want to make a mistake and look like a fool, you know. So there's another fear. But what's the really core of it? It's you're afraid of judgment. You're afraid of what other people think. What if you went out there and that nervousness you had in your stomach and you're thinking, I'm so nervous, I'm afraid. What if you could train your mind to think, I'm excited, I get to go tell my story. Look at it as, as excitement instead of nervousness. You're now coming from a positive angle. And you know, if I go out there and I make a mistake, that's okay because I'm going to be more real to these people. And I learned that too. I was the type when I would do workshops up and I'd print off material. And, you know, I don't know if you're like this or not, but I can look on the computer screen and it looked absolutely perfect, print it off. And the first thing I look at, there's some glaring mistake on the page. Well, I used to be where I would read everything for that one mistake, you know, and because and, I wanted it to be right. After a while, I, I would type things off and there'd be this one person in my class that oh by the way here you got a spelling mistake or something you know and I, I realized that that's that's about her not me she's focusing on my one mistake out of those six pages of notes <laughs> and she listened to anything we've talked about before that and so I just would joke about it and I'd just say well you know there's a prize tonight for anybody who finds a mistake in my notes but it's getting past those fears and being okay with just being your authentic self and being who you are. That's right. You can't really control what other people are going to think and say. You can really only control what you think and say and how you respond to situations. And I think that's a really great example that you share about fear because, you know, I can, I, you know, I can say the same for myself. I've spoken a lot in the past and uh, if Sometimes if I'm just too much in my head, I mess up. But if, if I'm not in my head and I just go with the flow and I feel it all in my body, as opposed to just, you know, thinking everything, I do better. And I think it's really kind of interesting, you know, what fear is, because fear is something that obviously we can turn it into something that's, that's going to, to shift can either stop us in our tracks or it can move us forward and it's it can propel us forward if we you know use it in that kind of way to take some action so i'm curious 
How do you work with your clients to create some sort of movement in that particular area around dealing with their fears and dealing with the subconscious thought patterns or, or beliefs that are so ingrained that no longer serve them? How does one either uproot them or replace them? When I'm working with someone and we're dealing with the fears where my hypnosis comes in, because we try to go back to the very cause of this fear. And that's where my going into slave regression started to come in, because sometimes people would come to me with a fear mm -hmm. and they said, I, I can't think of anything in this lifetime that would make me feel this way, but it's there. I can't help it. And there's certain things that trigger it. So we start with, a, in that case, it started with a past life regression going back into their childhood because there are a lot of things that happen to us as children that as a child we didn't understand. And unknowingly, these triggers and patterns started to happen. So if it's something in our childhood, we're observing it now as an adult, we can see that, oh, you know what, that wasn't really what happened or... I misunderstood it as a child, or it wasn't my fault, I was only a child, and we can do some healing there. If there still isn't anything, we go back into a previous lifetime. Maybe something happened to us in a previous lifetime, and we've carried that over in our cell memory. But the same sort of thing can happen. We can go back and we do healing, whether that's through forgiveness of others or ourselves, recognizing the situation and acknowledging that that happened you know, 200 years ago. So we don't really need to still carry that today. And it's all the client doing the work of healing. And I feel that's important for any of that is to go back and find the root cause if we can, and then do some healing around that. And then bring us forward to like you mentioned that we're only responsible for what we say and do not for the actions of someone else. So it's up to us to forgive ourselves, forgive other people, and just to overcome those hurdles so that we can move forward. Right. And I think even into today's world with uh, what we're dealing with on a, a larger scale, there's so much fear that, that people are experiencing right now. What's your take on that right now as to what's happening and how people can best deal with it? Well, you're right. There is a lot of fear. For the lot of part that people have who have talked to me about fear, the first thing I tell them is to get off the social media because they're listening to everything and for some reason believing everything they read. And it isn't all true. And if you're going to try to sort it all out, I, I'm not saying ignore what's going on. Certainly be conscious of it. But if you're finding that all of that is upsetting you and bringing you anxiety, you have the control to not look at it. And this is, again, where meditation comes into play. There are so many things you can do. You're not restricted in your life. You still have your mind. You still have your thought. You can go outside and enjoy the sunshine, sit under a tree, meditate, hear the birds, feel the grass. Do all of those things. Remind yourself that you are connected to this earth and this too shall pass. This is something that's happening to humankind, not just to our little community. It's worldwide. And I think it is a perfect time to show how we can work together and work through this. We all have a choice in that, whether we fight everything or whether we find a solution and work through it. So I feel that a lot of good can come from it. 
not that I want people to be sick and there to be a pandemic, but in my own business, for example, I'm now on the internet more so I can reach people that I didn't before. People can come and see me via Zoom and things like that that weren't going to drive to me from another country. Podcasts like this are awesome because we get to speak to one another. And would we have done that before? I think we would have worked on it, but maybe this kind of pushed us all into how can I connect with everybody? How can I help everybody? There's a lot more good people out there than there are those that are just looking after themselves. So I think this is a time for us to really step it up (laughs) and see how much we can help each other. Well, I think that you're absolutely right because there's an opportunity right now with, you know, what is happening globally on the planet and just the the global mindset shift that is occurring. And I really do think that it's also encouraging us to look deeper within ourselves, within our hearts as to what is most important to us. I mean, it could be now is a great time for people to ask those three soul questions because of the times that we're in. And I know that there's probably quite a few people who have had revelations. And I know it's caused me to build a community on Mighty Networks. You know, how am I going to work with clients? So it causes us to get creative and to begin co-creating with one another and digging deep into our own ingenuity and creativity and imagination and tapping into a what I, I like to refer to as a universal intelligence because we're all connected to that universal intelligence and it's just tapping into it so that we can take the world in a better place and we can see that even though there's there's been some negative things that are happening with within the world as a result of the pandemic, there are some beautiful things that are coming out as a result of it. So we have to see both sides of it. I'm curious as to what advice do you have for others right now on the planet who are struggling with really finding their purpose? What's the best piece of advice that you would give to them at this point? Well, (laughs) I think really as simple as it sounds is really to come back to small steps. Be okay with who you are. We have to love ourselves in order to trust that we're here for a reason. Not all of us are going to be the world solvers of the big question. What if your job was just to be the calming effect in your household? What if it was to be the person on the block that people could come to and just sit on your porch and have a cup of tea, social distancing, of course. (laughs) But, you know, sometimes that's what our purpose is. And if each of us do those little things, it's like a ripple effect. It goes out into the community, which goes out beyond that. And I remember a good friend of mine a couple of years ago said to me that I should be going into the bigger cities and stuff and doing my talks and doing my workshops and and I said, well, I was honored that she, and she thought I wasn't doing it because I didn't think I was good enough to do it. And and I said to her, you know, what it is, is what if, what if I'm meant to be where I am? I said, why does everybody have to go away to, to do things? What if my purpose is to enlighten those around me and to learn from them as well? I'm certainly not the guru. I'm, I'm still learning and evolving too. 
And I said, I thought of all the things I started in a community that didn't have anything, which was great. And how many people from that are starting like their little pods in their community because of that. And I said, I think I'm meant to be where I am. And I'm happy with that. Just be okay with who you are and where you are. Patience is, I think, the big lesson we're all meant to learn. You just have to breathe and trust that you're where you should be at this moment in time. I think that's great advice and lots of nuggets of wisdom there because it really is trusting the flow of life and trusting where where you are at. You know, you could have easily been drawn into that storyline that they were suggesting that you go out versus staying in locally within your community. And so you were following, really listening to your heart and listening to what really felt right for you. And I think that's where it starts. And that's really what you're suggesting is that each of us needs to really take a look at what feels right for us. And you can tell if something doesn't feel right, because at least in my body, when something doesn't feel right for me, I I get uneasy. I'm uptight. I feel constricted. Mm -hmm. But when something feels right, I feel lighter, expansive. I feel more in tune with it, in alignment with it and clarity. I have greater clarity. So I think it really is trusting and knowing how our body responds to certain things so that we can know what is right for us. Thank you so much for sharing that piece of advice. Is there anything else you'd like to share before we kind of wrap things up? I just encourage people to to really to take that time every day to meditate if it's only 10 minutes. And it some people think, oh, it's too easy. Well, then why not do it? <laughs> and if you don't have time, then you need to do it twice a day and twice as long because you're really too uptight. <laughs> <laughs> Find yourself. Oh, I love that. Thank you so much. Where can people connect with you and find out more about you? You can visit my website at mindfuljourney.ca, and I have all my contact information on there. And I'm on Facebook, Mindful Journey. I do messages and meditation every morning at 8.15 Eastern Daylight Savings Time. That's a short meditation, so if you're looking to get into it, that's a good place to go. I'll have a podcast. You can find that on Shopify, and I have those on my website as well. They're to do with past life regression called Life is a Journey, Detours Included. So lots of places. Great. And did you mention you had a YouTube channel as well? So you've got some videos on YouTube. Oh, I didn't mention that. <laughs> yes, I do. I have the YouTube. Just uh, It's under Janice Chrysler. Great. Thank you. <laughs> Or reminding me. Yes, yes, because I know I was just on there this morning and I just saw all the wonderful videos and messages. I haven't yet been on your Facebook page, so I'll have to check that out. Reverend Janice, thank you so much for joining us today. I love the work that you're doing in the world and just continue to bring forth your heart-centered self as always. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Well, that's it for today's episode. Thank you for joining us. Be sure to check out our new community on Mighty Networks called none other than the Hearts Rise Up Community. 
It's a place for people like you on a path of heart-centered living to come together to share and connect. Bye for now and have a wonderful day. We hope today's show helped to bring a bit more joy and happiness into your heart. We hope it inspired you to unleash your inner power and rise up to your best and loving heart-centered highest self. We'd be grateful if you'd leave us a review on iTunes. Those reviews are important to spreading this valuable message. We'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast and share the show with others. Visit heartsriseup.com for heart-centered courses, guided meditations, and our popular notes from your higher self. Until next time, keep rising up and may all that you love thrive.